you need a feeling of his presence in this place? Feeling a presence in your life? Come on, would you just reach out to him this morning? Give him praise.
makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. the name of Jesus in this place because his name is power his name is life you just whisper his name in this place Jesus There's something about the name of Jesus There's no other name oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus
from the mountains and Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family I speak the holy name of Jesus
that there's been some music in Shelby County this week. <laughs> Ain't nothing like it's been here. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. I, I, I really like Luke Bryant. But there ain't nothing like what happened here Thursday night. I think we need to do it some more. So just go. Just go. I'll come in after you're done. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow. person next to you and just say Jesus oh you can do better than that I think they said shout it all right just turn to that person next to you and say Jesus man that's there you go there you go come on come on we'll have some church here before long man God's doing stuff don't miss it God's doing stuff God's doing stuff all around us and it just keeps happening. God's doing stuff. I did not know if I would have a voice this morning. I've spoken eight times since last Sunday morning and then throw on today. And last night at about seven o'clock, I didn't know if I was going to have a voice. But, but thank you, God. Thank you, God. And, and uh, it's going to be awesome what God's going to do today, what God is doing today. Hey, 
On your way out today, don't forget to get a Cotonino bag. If you haven't done that, support that ministry. It's getting to the end of the month. We've got to have these back. Plus, also today, we've got a group from CRI, which is the, uh, the other organization we work with in Guatemala City. Uh, we're actually where our kids and, and adults stay when they go down there. And so they've got some information out there. They've got a booth in the lobby. Check that out. Because between CRI and Cotonino, we God allows us to partner with them and have a huge presence in Guatemala City at spring break. And then we got a group going back down uh, fall break this year. And so that's exciting. So be sure and stop in the lobby and check those guys out and see what's going on with that. We're in this series that we uh, titled Life Hacks. And we've said over the last couple of weeks that life hacks were just a clever way to solve everyday problems. Just a clever way to solve everyday problems, to take things that uh, like, oh, yeah, we can do that and work things out. Because there's stuff that goes on every day that we just need to figure out how to work that out, all right? And, and so each week we've given you some life hacks. The first week you all rushed Walmart and bought all the staple removers that they had. Uh, last week I heard there was a rush on large rubber bands to go around paint cans. So let me give you four life hacks today, okay? Here's, here's the first one, all right? You lose those little things, the earrings, or even worse, the back of earrings. And you, some of you know what I'm talking about. You can't find a, ho- a stocking on the end of your vacuum hose. It'll suck it right, but it'll catch it. It won't go all the way in your thing. There you go, life hack. And you can find those things. Here's another one. Kim swore we could never do this at our house, but that if you, if you can't get the fire to start, you can use Doritos as kindling, all right? And the reason Kim swore that we would never do that is that's a horrible waste of Doritos in her opinion. Um, but anyway, if it gets the fire started, there you go. And some of you are going to, going to the store right after church to buy Doritos, all right? You got little kids trying to drink out of Coke cans. You can't figure out how to do it. Those little tabs, don't pull them all the way off. Just twist them or pull them and twist them around. Stick a straw through that little circle thing and you've got something to hold the straw in place. And the last one, the last one today is you hate cleaning the shower head? Just take a little baggie and put vinegar in it and wrap it around the shower head. Wake up in the morning, everything's clean. I just saved you every cleaning time on faucet heads, shower heads, everything. Life, life hacks, it's great. But we also said... Most importantly, what we needed were not things to cover our shower head or things to suck up earring, the back of earrings. What we really needed as followers of Christ were life hacks, wisdom that works, that would help us share the good news. And we've been talking all the time, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs because it's a book of wisdom. And I told you from the very first week that Proverbs written by Solomon, who asked God to make him wise enough to lead the nation, and he did. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, look what Solomon wrote. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We think we know what we're doing. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now, I'm assuming something today. I'm assuming the fact that you got up this morning early and you got here on time and that you are here because you want to live for the Lord Or at the very least, you're marginally interested in finding out what that might look like. And so you're willing to listen to some life hacks about living that way. But if we're going to live for the Lord, we need to find out how he wants us to live in in this kind of backwards, messed up, not really right 
kind of world that we find ourselves in. And, and unfortunately today, too many people are trying to rewrite for their own good, for their own lifestyle, for their own belief system. They're trying to rewrote what God wrote and trying to create their own, their own way of living. And, and, and catch me, it's not just individuals that are doing that. It's churches that are doing that. Even whole denominations that are doing that. that. That's why I'm so happy that we're not a part of a denomination and that we have elders who simply want us to live by the word of God. That's it. Amen. That's it. Just follow God. And so last week we saw Isaiah speak for the Lord and he told us several things. In Isaiah chapter 55, I want to just give you three of the bullet points of what Isaiah said. He said in verses 8 and 9, he said, my thought, this is God speaking, but Isaiah sharing it with the people. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Isn't that good? Because I don't know about you guys, maybe I'm the only one, but every once in a while I have some thoughts that I'm like, okay, that was not a God thought. You know what I mean? And my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. I can imagine and dream some pretty big things. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesian church that he can do more, far more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And, and that's what Isaiah was saying here uh, for God. And my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Then, then, then Solomon also said there in that same chapter we were in a minute ago, in Proverbs 16, look at verse 33, what he says. The lot is cast into lap, lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Are, you, are your decisions from the Lord? See, God's word actually helps us know not what is right or wrong, although it does tell us that, but the most important thing, it tells us what is wise. What is wise? Because you realize that in this life, that there are certain things that are neither right or wrong. You realize that? There are certain things that are, you know, God even kind of opens the door, you know, kind of you choose. I'm not going to, I don't have, there's not enough paper to write about every decision that you'll ever have to make in life. And so just use wisdom, make the right choice. How, how should you react to a situation? Well, God can't, God couldn't tell us about every situation. That'd, there's no way. You just got to be wise. You just got to be wise. Who should I date or marry? Uh, when, when I got engaged to Kim, my dad wrote me a letter. And in the letter, and I still got it down in my desk drawer. It's one of my prized possessions. He, he said, son, you can choose to, lo to love just about anybody. And if you've chosen Kim, make sure you love her well. See, God's not as concerned with who you marry. I don't... You know, sometimes it seems magical. Kim and I and our, the way we ended up together seems magical, but you know, it could have been anybody. God just says, when you choose, choose well and then live well. And decisions that we have to make, like, should I buy that motorcycle that's parked up there before you get to McDonald's? I looked at it all week long and somebody either really needs to buy it or they need to move it. And God doesn't care. Should I buy that home or that home? That car or that car? And not that it's right or wrong, but is it wise to make that decision? And here, here the bigger the decision, the more you want to be wise. 
The, the bigger the decision in life, the more wisdom that you want to have. And especially in spirit-led decisions like being baptized. Like we've had so many that have made that decision this year and more that are doing it today as well. It's the most important, best decision you can ever make. That's why I, I love that song, Holy Water. Uh, I just, because I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. And so when people are making that decision, and we're up into the 80s now, and Morgan had, somebody asked me last week, said, have we had a baptism every weekend? I said, I don't know. So I went and looked. And so far this year, through this time of the year, we all but three weekends, we've had at least one baptism. God's doing stuff. And it's exciting. And I can't wait to see that continue. But we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate those wise decisions decisions encourage those people that are making those wise decisions but there's some decisions we probably shouldn't have made don't raise your hand or start pointing either one but we can all probably pretty quickly start thinking about it. in fact I'm guessing that as we start talking about the wisdom to make right wise decisions that some of you probably had already on your own started thinking about or remembering some decisions that you made that weren't too wise and we can beat ourselves up with that satan wants us to beat ourselves up with that that problem or that 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 oh i messed up you know sometimes saying yes is the wise thing and sometimes saying no is the wise thing so how do you know which it is it has to be spirit-led has to be spirit-led. So how do we make those spirit-led decisions? Now, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I want to share with you, there is a book that was written long ago by St. Ignatius. I don't a lot of times share like stuff like from that genre, but St. Ignatius wrote this book called, What's Your Decision? How to make choices with confidence and clarity. And there's some really, really good stuff in there that helps you make wise, godly decisions. So part of what we need to do as we're doing that, as we're making spirit-led decisions, is, is to be able to identify in our mind what is prompting us to even consider this decision. And what is actually prompting us to think about, is this wise? Is this something God would want me to do? And recognize that whatever the decision is ultimately made, it should be for the greater glory and praise of God. And understand that if you ask, God will answer. And he will lead you to the decision that will please him. Now, we still have to make that decision. See, our feelings though get in the way, don't they? You ever made a decision that you look back on and you thought, eh, I'll let my feelings get in the way on that one. And <laughs> it was just what, what kind of I wanted in my feelings. Our feelings are powerful. And, and you can always follow, just follow your feelings. But also be assured, also understand that God can and will work through your feelings. Because sometimes... Sometimes you were about to do something and it just didn't what? Feel right. 
And the Holy Spirit was working in your inner being to change your feelings to lead you toward an appropriate decision. Your job is to discern if what you are feeling is yours. If it was the pizza last night at 11 o'clock. Or if it's from God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about making spirit-led decisions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, here's what he said. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. There are some things that you are going to do when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, when you are baptized. There are some things that you are going to do or start doing, maybe continue doing, maybe escalate doing even more, that some of your friends are going to tell you that you're just being foolish. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because the things of God seem like, what's this word, foolishness to the world. And the world can't understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Do you know when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that when people make that decision, they, they complete that decision in baptism, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside and dwell inside of them and to be a part of them. And all of a sudden, that Spirit's in there. And so when we start following our feelings and we start doing things, with our bodies sometimes we start consuming things into our bodies we start participating in things with our bodies and it just doesn't feel right in fact if it's something that you used to do you used to do before you accepted jesus and i've had people tell dave you know i went out friday night i did this or that it just didn't feel like it used to. I'm like, yeah, sure it didn't. Because now you did it to the Holy Spirit because he's living inside of you. It's not going to feel right. God will work through that stuff to help lead us to the right place, to the place that we need to be. And, and, and that's part of having that discernment. Here's a definition for discernment. Check this out. Discernment of God's will is the act of distinguishing between options while consciously calling on God for assistance. Okay, you got these choices. You got two, three, maybe four options. And discernment is saying, okay, God, lead me. Lead me. And opening ourselves up enough to follow. Because God cares about your decisions. Should I date that guy? God cares about that. Should, should I marry that lady? God cares about it. They're not the only people, but God cares about it. Should you be in a relationship with that person? Or is that, a, is that not a God-led relationship in the first place? God cares about that. Now, here's what's important, though. If you, here's where the feelings come in. If you don't already have feelings for that person, you don't need God to help with this decision follow me you're just not interested all right no no need to invite god into that you've already kind of made your choice you're just not interested discernment is inviting god into those things now there are some things that discernment is not let me give you some bullets about that really quick here's the first one <clears throat> discernment is not a choice between good and evil all right because there sometimes there's two good choices 
Sometimes there's three good choices. Discernment is just figuring out what God wants for you in that situation, in that moment. It helps us choose between multiple good choices. And so you think, well, how do I know? How do I know which one? You got to know the word. You got to know the word. And when you know what you're doing is wrong, ever been there? Am I the only one? (laughs) You knew? Ah, this is not good. (laughs) This is not wise. At that point, you don't need discernment. You just need to repent. You just need to change. So it's not, it's not, discernment is not just a choice between good and evil. It's just the wise thing. Here's another thing discernment is not. Discernment is not uh, out of nowhere. Like, I don't know why I'm just going to do this. You ever made a decision like this? Don't, please don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But you might be able to relate. Have you ever made a decision when every important person in your life your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your papa, uh, sometimes your, your sisters, your brothers, your best friend, the people around you in your small group at church, everybody in your life is saying, don't do that. And you say, well, I think it's the right thing to do. What? People that care about us. See, God's not ever going to lead you to something that godly people can't just go yeah now the world those that don't know jesus those that don't have the holy spirit living inside of them part of them they may very well look at yeah they gotta go go big or go home listen i got just personal here's some personal dave wisdom i'm pretty sure it works all the time When you're faced with that go big or go home decision, go home. It's always going to be safer. It's always going to be safer. But God's not going to ask that. See, wisdom doesn't make decisions in isolation. For instance, let me give you an example. You've got a big money decision to make. Somebody that you didn't even know was going to include you in their will, included you in in their will for half a million dollars. Suddenly you got $500,000. What am I going to do with that? Dig a hole in the backyard? Put in the bank at 0.01 interest? (laughs) Now you probably need some financial advice from a financial advisor. From somebody that knows something about investing that kind of money. Making sure that you make wise choices. And you can play that out for any kind of decision in life. Yeah, you, you, your, your chest just keeps pounding and you start getting dizzy. You don't need a mechanic at that point. You need to talk to somebody who knows about your heart. We, we need to make wise decisions that don't just come out of nowhere. And here's the final thing that discernment is not. Discernment is not decoding secret messages. God's not in the business of trying to make this hard. He's, he isn't hiding from us. He's already leading us and speaking to us. He's far more practical than we tend to give him credit for. He wants to help you, not confuse you. 
So let's finish this up. Let's put a bow on all this, okay? How do we make wise decisions? Let me give you several keys to making wise decisions. Jot these down, take pictures, whatever. Key number one is this. Understand, know, believe that God is active and that he actually cares about me. That God is active and he really does care about you and about what's going on in your life. He valued you. Here's how much he cares. God valued you enough to give you Jesus. And when we speak Jesus over the situations, when we speak Jesus over marriages that are struggling, when we speak Jesus over marriages that shouldn't have ever made it, when we speak Jesus over, over cancer, and all of a sudden it's gone, those things happen because there is a God that cares about you enough to have given you Jesus. He cares about your life. He cares about the things that go on day to day. He cares about those things. Some of them he trusts us to just do the right thing and all. But others he says, ask me, because I care. Second thing that you, second key that you need to believe in is that you can know God's will for your life. Now, here's the problem. We want it on a document, a personalized document with our name at the top. I, God, hereby say that you, fill in the blank, should do this. And we want little boxes or circles to the left of all the points so that we can check them off. And we want God to somehow design a personalized, do this, do this, live here, work here, marry this, whatever. He's not going to do that. But he is going to share his will for all of our lives through his word. And then we just have to apply it to our personal life. But Jesus taught us to pray for things to be on earth as they are in heaven. Have you thought that through very much? It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. And help things to be on earth as they are in heaven. How are things going in heaven right now? From everything you know, how are things in heaven right now? They're perfect. They're perfect. They're, they're Genesis 1 and 2 in the Garden of Eden, and now they're in heaven. They're perfect. And for Jesus to say, God wants things to be on earth as they are in heaven. God wants things in your life to be perfect. But we got to remove some obstacles to get that imperfection out of the way. God taught us to pray for his will in our life. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He, he said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. There is so much here. There is so much in that one verse of scripture. Oh my goodness. He, he, he's going to change the way you think. Anybody in here give testimony to that? That you don't think about things like you used to think about things? God started changing the way you think, and then all of a sudden it got easier to know what you needed to do, to know his will. And, and it's not just some kind of magic. It's good and pleasing and 
perfect will. That's what God wants for your life. And and he wants that because in Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 8 and 9, it says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved, but not, not by, through faith, not by any works, because you know why you'd brag about that. If you had done something to get your salvation, you'd brag about that. Paul said, that's not how it works. He said, God saved you by grace through faith so that, here's the reason, because God, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us a long time ago. God's got a plan for all of us and he's got things that you need to do. And sometimes we just get so caught up in where, where? I remember a couple decades ago or more, I was considering leaving Shelbyville. There was a church that really kept pushing hard, kept pushing really, really hard. And I was talking to some people that I knew, that knew the church. I even asked a couple people around here, and they said, no, no, not now, not now. Now's not the time. And I didn't know what was coming and why they said that. But I went to my pastor. I went to Wally. And I'll never forget, Wally said this. He said, Dave, God is far more interested in you doing his will than where you do it. God will use you to do his will wherever you are as long as you allow him access to your heart. So I listened to the wise counsel of friends and stayed and I think God's worked. See, the deep desires in your heart are from him if you're walking with him and he will give you the desires of your heart if you're following his leading and his will for your life. God can lead you in any role that you find yourself. Just don't ever ask him to bless something that is quite obviously not in his will and that conflicts with everything else that he's given us and written for us, the guiding he gives us in the word. And don't just pick a single verse of scripture that you think justifies what you want to do when everything else doesn't line up with that. Because we're, we're, we're told to read this in its entirety and to make sure that we understand the whole concept of this, not just pick and choose a verse and make it fit our life. And the world's telling us to do that though. In in fact, the world may be telling you today that you're this or you're that or you're made this way. You've got a label on you. But I can promise you this. I can promise you this. That not a single one of us here today was made in a way that's contrary to the will of God for your life. That doesn't line up with Scripture. And, And now... Understand, understand, I I know stuff goes on. The people who conceived you may have been outside of the will of God at the moment that that happened. But God was knitting you together in that moment. He was making you his way. That's why Ephesians says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, like those but like those who are wise and make the most out of every opportunity in these days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do God's active and he cares about you I I believe that that you can know God's will for your life 
Here's a, here's a tough one. Here, here's maybe the toughest bullet point in this thing. All right, you ready for this? Embrace the struggle of difficult situations. Yes, sir. <laughs> huh? That, that doesn't even make sense. Not in the world of you. Not in the world of you. James said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. What? What? Stuff ain't going right. I'm supposed to be happy now. There are people who have been placed in your life to help you through difficult situations. They may be friends, they may be parents, grandparents, they may be employers, whatever it is, they, they kind of function as coaches. They kind of function as coaches. They're there to, to help you through that situation because you see, coaches have to help players see when they're doing something wrong. Ideally, coaches aren't doing something wrong. It's hard to get a team to do the right thing when the coach isn't doing the right thing. But, but coaches, the people in your life that are leading, they may say things that you don't want to hear. Been there, done that. But a good coach says that and corrects us when we do something wrong for a couple of reasons. If a coach sees a player doing something wrong, it might hurt the team. Or in certain sports, especially physical sports, it might actually hurt the player. If you're a little kid that's just starting to play football, and you just are going crazy and don't know how to tackle and don't know how to hold your head, you can hurt yourself. And so you need a coach that is telling you how to do that. But we don't like it when the coaches yell at us. All these years I've helped guys coach and I'm always the one that seems like the players go, he's always yelling at me and he won't quit yelling at me. And it's like, like, good. What? Yeah, good. And then I tell him, I said, when you need to start worrying is when he stops yelling at you. Because that means he's given up on you. God never gives up on us. But sometimes he will correct us. And we have to be willing to listen. That's, we have to be willing to listen. And sometimes that correction is hard because we're not listening to what the coach is saying. And we need to listen. We need to, I have people tell me, Dave, I just can't figure it out. People come to the office and it's like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just can't figure it out. And nothing seems to be going right in life. Why are all these relationships, all my relationships so messed up? It's because you're not listening to God. He didn't tell you to be in that kind of relationship. And that kind of relationship won't work out. Don't ask God to bless something that he says he doesn't want you to do. Last thing, the last key, and we're almost done here. My perception of God influences those difficult decisions. This morning, what's your perception of God? Is your perception of God a loving father that wants to wrap his arms around you and embrace you and hold you tightest when you're hurting the most? Or is your perception of God the the cosmic killjoy up in the heavens with a quiver full of lightning bolts waiting to zap you the first time you mess up our perception of God makes a difference remember in school we read we were reading book remember Huck Finn remember reading about Huck Finn Huck Finn was raised 
to believe that slavery was fine and that helping a slave escape was a sin that could condemn you to hell. That's how he was raised in that book. And that was all fine and good until he met Jim. And Jim became his best friend. All he wanted to do was help Jim. There's that poignant moment when Hook Finn just kind of realizes, well, I guess I'll just go to hell because I'm helping my friend. See, Huck Finn had the wrong perception of God and of slavery that had been imposed upon him by others in his life. How many things are you believing now? Not because God said it, but because somebody in your life has imposed that belief on you. The world has imposed that belief on you. And it's a totally non-God belief. My perception of God influences difficult decisions. Guys, the bottom line today of all this making wise decisions is this. The bottom line, take this home. My decisions matter to God because I matter to God. Whatever it is, there's some great results of wise decisions. Causes us to change, causes things in our life to change. It increases our feeling of freedom. It takes us into a deeper relationship with Him. But our decisions matter to God because we matter to God. The wisest decision that you can ever make is to, is to invite God into your life. It begins by trusting Him. Repenting of your sins. Confessing that trust in Him. And, and being baptized. And, and we're going to get to celebrate that this morning. And in baptism, you had that opportunity to bring God into your decision-making process. And some have decided to do it today, but maybe you didn't decide it until you got here. Maybe this morning you're thinking, yeah, that, I, I, I need some, I need God in my life. And, and, and you're ready to do that day. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and we're going to take communion and give offering. And during that time, if you're ready to accept Jesus, you can come and talk to, to me or one of, the, one of the staff, one of the team that's going to be down here. And we'll just, we got time. We got time. We changed our services and the way our order went around, so we'd have time to do that right now. Right now. So if that's something that you know God's like, he's getting your attention, in just a minute when we all stand and start moving, why don't you move up here and I can get you hooked up with the right people to make that happen today. Everybody needs to move in just a moment. And you need to move to come and get your, your emblems for communion. And communion is so special because it reminds us of what God did for us in Jesus and that he does care about us. He cares. We matter to him. We matter so much that he gave Jesus. And so while we take communion, there's that little piece of bread that just gives us a reminder of Christ's body. And, And the cup that gives us a reminder of his blood that was given so freely because God cares about you. God cares about you. And so this is an important part and time in our service. It's the climax of our service where we see people give their life to Jesus. And those of us who have already done that through communion are reminded of what we did. Communion is just a a, a word that means coming together. We're all coming together. Look around the room. You're not alone. You're not alone. And so we come together in communion and we give. We give our tithes so that this ministry can go on 
and that people all around the world, people in Shelbyville and Frankfurt and Eminence, Taylorsville, Mount Eden and Wadi and all around this area, as well as people in Guatemala City and Uganda and all over the world, those people can come to know Jesus because we think we are so thankful that we did and so we give so i'm going to pray the band's going to lead us in a song we're going to sing and i want everybody to move and like i told you last week either move to get communion move to give your offering move to accept jesus but don't move out of the room don't 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 minimalize this most important time in our service by trying to beat everybody else to the parking lot that's not a move that god wants you to make i can guarantee you of that let's pray God, thank you so much for today. God, right now as we get ready to participate in communion, God, I'm thankful that you loved us enough to give us Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for my sins so that I could have hope and that I could make wise decisions because I had the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Thank you for that. And I pray that. I pray that for every person in this room who doesn't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. For those of us who do, let us commune and remember. Let us give and remember. And God, I pray that in this moment, that the Holy Spirit's moving around this place and that if he's touching hearts, that he will also give them the courage to step forward and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. In the powerful, almighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand, let's move, and let's worship.
and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain and on that day we join the resurrection and stand celebrate with her this morning, don't we? Amen. Just repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That picture is, you can stay standing up, I'm done. That picture is a friend sharing Jesus with a friend. And that friend saying, I want some of that. So get out of here. Go love God. Love people. Share Jesus with a friend and watch God change the world. Don't forget to stop out there at the table and see the CRI people and get a Cotonino bag. We'll see you guys.